Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for Wednesday, October 5th. Fall is in the air. Football is on. Pumpkin carving season can't get much better than that. I'm your host, D. Suave, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And guys, over the weekend, we got some devastating news about the Hall of Famer, a uh, good friend of the program, Rick Eshelman, the World of Outlaws series announcer, uh, passed away. Shocking news for everybody, no doubt. All the love and support of the guy through social media and stuff like that. He's uh, truly going to be missed. So I think most of this episode will just concentrate on Rick, you know, some great stories and memories, just how iconic he was for the sport. Because Kovac, I talked to you yesterday and Mark Richards, he probably is the most famous, you know, face of the world of outlaws. He's been pretty much there since the start of it. Couple year hiatus um, there in the mid like 2015 to 16 era. So he wasn't there, but man, oh man, this kind of shook the late model world and really the auto racing world. Cause he loved racing. He was passionate about it. Had some funny nicknames, good uh, classic dad jokes, but this real, this one hurts, I think for a lot of people and kind of, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Just, uh, just a couple thoughts on that. It was a uh, pretty devastating, wasn't it? Yeah, well, when the news came out on, uh, <clears throat> what was it, on, I guess Thursday morning was the last time he had been heard from, you know, the races were canceled at uh, uh, for the Outlaws this past weekend. He was supposed to be in, in down south at Cherokee and, and Sonoa, but those races were canceled, so he shifted his plans. Of course, he goes to race. He was going to be going to races, you know. He was on his way. He was going to go to the Dirt Car Fall Nationals at Lincoln, Illinois instead, and he was on his way there. And on uh, Thursday, he left uh, a hotel in um, uh, Paducah, Kentucky. It's the last time anybody talked to him on his way, and everybody just never showed up. And then when that news came out that he was missing on Friday, you know, like 24 hours later, and nobody had heard from him, man, it was social media lit up. I mean, you just saw, like, <clears throat> at that point, you could see, like, the the, the caring for him and, and how everybody just felt like they knew Rick, even if they didn't. I mean, everybody's putting things out about, how they, how, you know, their interactions with them. But there's a lot of people that didn't even, I'd never met him and they still felt like they did because he was such a, a big, uh, you know, the, 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 almost a, a face of the world of outlaws late model series. Like you said, uh, Derek, I mean, he's been denouncing for 43 years and since 2004, 2004, when the outlaws restarted, he announced all, but I, I think it was 2012 to 14, 15 that he did. And that was his years that he, uh, that he had backed away and did some other stuff and he came back and he just was, you, you, you felt like you knew him. I mean, you felt like it was your friend. You just heard his voice. Uh, if you're watching a race, if you're at, at the track or online, it's just like, you know, it's, it, it, I, I kind of feel like it's more than even a driver. If you heard this news about a driver, because people had just heard his voice so much and it's, it was just devastating to hear. Uh, the news eventually on on Saturday that uh, that he had passed away and he had, had taken his own life as his father I mean his uh, his son said and which was even uh, made it even you know more uh, more tragic that uh, he had had some problems apparently and behind that smile that he had at the racetrack all the time. Yeah, and I think that's just was just so shocking about it when you know they announced on Thursday he was missing or wasn't answering his phone. You're thinking of other scenarios, so. The scenario that he chose or happened to, you didn't, oh man, you didn't really think that was going to be a thing. You would think maybe he slipped and fell, like looking for an old speedway, um, 
you know, maybe just some health reasons or something like that. But yeah, he's no longer here. And Robert, obviously you've covered this sport. You've seen Rick Houseman at the racetrack. Uh, just what were your thoughts initially when you heard that on Saturday? I'm sure it probably uh, caught you off guard a little bit as well. Well, when, you know, I first got the, I first got the information, not on social media, I guess, but in our um, office you know, uh, conversations, I guess, uh, what are those, uh, Slack, I guess is what we use. And so, uh, a lot of people are familiar with Slack, but it's an inter office communications, you know, program. And, and I, I got, I saw the note on there about, about Rick and, but I didn't know exactly what was happening. So, uh, so when I first saw that, then of course I go to social media to see, to, to find out. And so then of course I find the, the post, uh, I see the post from his girlfriend uh, that she ha- he hasn't uh, made contact in almost 24 hours, and they're really concerned about him. And that's just not Rick. Uh, that's just very odd. It's not really. I think maybe if I go 24 hours without ca- calling home, I could probably go missing for a week. If I go without you know contact for 24 hours without contacting home, nobody probably even thinks about it because I don't really call home much when i'm out on the road but you know rick was supposed to be somewhere and he didn't show up and so when he doesn't show up then you start getting concerned about about what what's going on and so when i saw that i was really concerned like kind of taken aback like you know that's just not rick to not show up somewhere you know it's not it's if he's going somewhere you know he's not always announcing, you know, when you're out there on the summer national, sometimes he's, he's, you know, directing traffic, you know, and, and, uh, you know, in the pit area and like a pit steward. And so, so just for Rick to go to that race, um, you know, is not unusual for him to be at different races other than world of outlaws. is not unusual for him to show up. So when I first heard it, I think, you know, you're like, that is very odd. It's very weird. And you hope for, you're first hoping for the best. You hope that cell phone has been stolen. Um, something, you know, something, you know, you hope, you're hoping for the, for the absolute best. But as time went on, I really, I was really concerned. I was really, I really felt like we were going to see one of those, you know, shows on 2020 you know five years from now and it would be about rick and it'd be about something happened to him while he was out looking for for one of these old racetracks then to get the news the next day that you know that that it ended the way it did is just it just compounded things and you're just compounded the shock for me because you know i just seen him I just saw him a week, less than a week earlier. Yeah, you just saw him at Boyd's, like in your uh, fast talk. So we, you talked about that a little bit. That's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'd, and and like you said, and like Kevin said, you don't know what's going on behind someone's smile. But Rick always had a smile for you. He always had a wave. You know, he didn't come see you right away. If he saw you from a distance, yeah. Most of the time, it seemed like when I got to the track, he's riding around in a golf cart, uh, going around. You know, checking out. Uh, the cars and and checking in cars and getting information and stuff. So I don't usually talk to him right away. I'm walking around and I use usually just a hand throwing up, throwing up. It's a wave. 
but then you talk to him later on, you know, then, then when things kind of settle down and he gets kind of done doing that stuff, then you're able to, to converse. I don't know. It, it's just really shocking. Uh, I was shocked. I was really, really shocked and, um, uh, and, and saddened basically. Yeah. I was same as same feelings there, Robert, for sure. When you, you know, talking to like Ruben who, you know, loved Rick and like Jonathan Clayton, you know, was a coworker, Oh, Rick Esselman, we were just kind of texting back and forth. Hey, have you heard anything? And you can just tell, like, those guys definitely hit them harder than others. But like Kovac said, he's kind of like that, um, you know, football announcer, like a Joe Buck when you see him announcing nonstop. Like, you feel like you know him personally. And, Kyle, you mentioned in Fast Talk you knew of him and met him a few times, but you're kind of just getting into dirt late mile racing. When you see all these social media posts, just how much he uh, he affected everybody in a good way and positive manner because there was so much outpour and uh, just some nice things to say about the Hall of Famer. Even beyond, you know, dirt late, late model racing, you know, I, I saw people from NASCAR chime in. I saw people from ARCA sprint car racing. You know, I mean, you just kind of, there was a point on Saturday night, I was with family and, you know, the news had broke. And, you know, within the hour, like the top of the hour after the news had broke. I mean, you just scroll. I scrolled on my Facebook and I had never seen anything like it in terms of just post after post. And, you know, everybody had pictures with them, you know, it seemed and everybody had something to say and, and everybody had stories. Everybody, even before, you know, this all happened, you know, you just kind of put yourself back. And I guess my one meaningful moment i guess with him i guess we'll get the stories at you know some point in the show but you know i was at the summer nationals race at fairbury and i was uh working on the race wires and the dirt car trailer you know and uh rick was uh pit stewarding that night and he came in with uh two slices of pizza and tapped me tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if i wanted one of his two slices of pizza. I don't know why. Well, that's shocking in that's itself true. because he loved food. So him giving you one is definitely, <laughs> definitely right. one of the you know, one of the shocking things of right. him. But that's awesome, right? And I'm like, I don't know why Rick Eshelman is giving me a slice of pizza, but you know, he uh, that's just, I guess, who he was, and you know, and 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 so you know, just going through like the social media posts. And as you said, Derek, I mean, just the, the outpour and the love and the stories and really the stories, you know, I just go and I just read all the stories and, and really just how he, he touched everybody. And I think even watching races, you know, from a distance before I, I got involved in the sport, like I am now, you know, there was a, a way that Rick made you feel engaged on the couch to where, yeah, you, you feel like you were able to not only know him, but really know these drivers and really connect these drivers to the fans in a way that is so rare and is, is a gift. I think that's why people who aren't close to him also, you know, obviously their heart breaks in general, you know, because you feel like you had a genuine connection with this guy because of his gifting, his talents and his passion, his love for sport. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. You know, it's never you just as Robert, 
you know, said, as Kevin said, as you said, Derek, you know, you're sitting there as the news broke on Thursday, you know, you're always thinking best case scenario and you're always thinking, well, you know, surely, you know, he's, he's going to reappear and, you know, and then the days go on and, um, you know, Saturday comes and it's just, it, my heart sank completely, you know, you go numb, he's going to be missed. And, um, you know, I'm going to be out in Kansas on October 21st for, you know, the outlaws next race and, um, or the first race, you know, without Rick. And I just can't even, you know, you try to prepare yourself, I guess the best you can, but I guess there really is no way to try to picture that we're all taking this a day at a time. And, you know, my heart goes out to those who knew him the closest. That's for sure. Yeah. We're thinking of uh, his family and, you know, close friends and stuff like that. No doubt. And, you mentioned food. One of my favorite Rick Eshelman stories is uh, he's started announcing at Oakshade. He told it at the Hall of Fame speech, so if you're checking it out on Flow, you could uh, hear him. But he said his first year at Oakshade, I think he was getting paid. He got just paid in food his first year. Then the second year he came back, they paid him $50 and only gave him like a $20 or $15 voucher for food because he ate so much his first year that they're like, this is way cheaper to just pay him in money than actually him eating food. And if you know him, Kovac, like you probably know him the best out of everybody. He loved his food. He, uh, you know, no, no bones about it, but just the people at home was Oakshade like one of his first places. He, uh, he announced that. I know that you're probably going to do a little, little more history on him. You know, when we, you got a co- uh, column and then he worked for the role of outlaws, but can he kind of just tell the people at home kind of his, uh, career and maybe a shortened version? Well, he actually started out in, um, <clears throat> on asphalt tracks. He, uh, he grew up in Michigan, you know, so he grew, he started, uh, well, I think he started as a scorer first at Flat Rock Speedway in, um, in Michigan. And then that developed into him announcing there. And I know he announced at like Toledo and, and other places. Oakshade might've been one of the first dirt races he, you know, cause I mean, that's in that area too, that he, that he, uh, announced. And then, then he went to the Air Force. He was in the Air Force for, uh, I believe it was four years and he was stationed up there, um, in North Dakota, Grand Forks, North Dakota, where River City Speedway is. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when I was with the World of Outlaws, you know, we, I mean, World of Outlaws have been going to River Cities uh, since I think 2006 or something like that. And so he was like, that, that was like going home for him almost, you know, like when he would go up and announce at the, uh, at, at River Cities, because that was like his old stomping grounds. He, he did some announcing there while he was in the Air Force and stationed up in that area. Uh, so he knew a lot of people up there. Uh, in total, I, I think he's, he had just told me, I, 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 he has, he just went over like 200 tracks that he's announced at. I mean, a lot of, most of them obviously were now with the world of outlaws, but I mean, he announced at Eldora, um, for some, you know, like probably about 10 years ago, he was one of the, he was announcing the, the big races with James Essex, uh, uh, he, he, he announced just so many things. I mean, all, a lot of, he, he lived in, uh, down there by East Alabama Speedway, Phoenix City, Alabama, for a, a good chunk, you know. I mean, as most of the time that I, I mean, all the time that he was with the World of Outlaws and I was, he lived in Phoenix City, Alabama, and so he obviously would go announce at East Alabama whenever he wasn't, uh, you know, on the road. So he he had he was proud of all all those racetracks he had announced too. I mean, he kept a good list of that. I mean, I wish I could see that. I wish I would have gotten that list from him and seen how many racetracks he had. Because uh, it was just over 200 now. Um, so I want to say we changed him on the Summer Nationals, Kovac. 
I think we jinxed him on the summer nationals. He was supposed to get like 200 at Shady Hill and then it rained out or something like that. I think that's like one of the things like he was always counting down because he said he was at like 197. He had three races ago that year because he was the hell tour announcer for a couple of years uh-huh. there and he was getting ready to get his 200th. And I think I did like a whole like article and story like minute about it and then it rains out. So I jinxed him on the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do remember that raining out there. Like, like everybody was there and and just got downpoured on. But uh, yeah, but he did. He got to his two hundred. He's gotten plenty. Yeah. He, might, geez, he might have been up three hundred now. I'm not even sure. I'm like, I'm not even exact numbers uh, uh, that he's pushing now. I mean, probably well over two hundred. But uh, you know that that's that shows. I mean, a lot of that. I mean, that love of racing. I mean, he just loved it. I mean, he would go to a race. Uh, anytime he, he's on the road, he's going to find somewhere to go a lot of times, uh, just to see something else run. I mean, he, he loved racing that much and, and you could see it when he, when he was announcing, I mean, that's, that's, that, that was his life r- racing. And, uh, I mean, 43 years he announced and I know he was really, really proud, uh, about being, uh, you know, inducted into the hall of fame and going in and being honored, uh, you know, back in August, the same same induction ceremony that uh, James Essex, the Lucas Oil Series announcer, was uh, was inducted. That was pretty cool to see the two announcers that are friends also. I mean, I know it's uh, uh, James Essex has been pretty broken up about it, about losing, uh, about Rick, too, the news. Um, so, but uh, they do have that. And, I mean, that's uh, – he'll, he'll go down in history as being in the Hall of Fame because of that, uh, you know, uh, back in August. Yeah, it'll be something that James can always cherish at him in the – Rick, the two series national announcers we're all so used to going in together. It was a pretty special day for both of them. And, uh, yeah, we'll always remember that, too, because Rick had his witty jokes, Robert, um, his crazy nicknames that everybody loved, uh, his dad jokes at the front stretch when he's doing games with the kids and stuff like that, interacting with the home track announcer. Mark Richards said it perfectly yesterday. I don't think we'll ever be able to replace Rick Eshelman as the woo announcer in Ben Schoen did a good job, and Matt Prier did a great job, but there was just something missing when Rick Esselman wasn't there for those you know, three-year hiatus. It's really going to be very tough moving forward, just not hearing that voice and his great calls for that series. It's uh, definitely going to be uh, very weird, in my opinion. Well, you know, like both of uh, – like, you know, like we've all said, Rick was the face of the world of outlaws, in my opinion, because – He's the one person that that we heard, even if we didn't see him all the time. If you're a fan and you go to the track, he's the person that you heard all the time when the World of Outlaws were out there. Uh, If you're sitting at home watching the stream now, he's the one person that you hear all the time throughout the night when the World of Outlaws are out there. Uh, Of course, you know, uh, Daryl Lanigan was the face of the series as a driver for several years, you know, when he's winning all those championships. And now, you know, Brent... Josh Richards became uh, the same thing, and then Brandon Shepard. But the person you heard the most was Rick. The person that you say, wait, I've heard that joke before, it's because of Rick. You know, the person who had a crazy nickname for every for every cat and dog in America and driver, it was, it was Rick. And so my wife, a lot of times will sit on the couch while I'm working here from home and watching a stream or whatever. She doesn't know the people, but she knows the voices because she hears them. She knows is, you know, if I, if, you know, I said, you know, gave her the news about, you know, Rick Eshelman, she didn't know exactly who that was, but then I played video and 
she hears the voice and she's like, oh yeah, oh man, you know. So it, it's it's an iconic voice, just like uh, James's voice is iconic and they're all different, you know, Ben and DJ, they all have these different, the way they speak and the way they, uh, they resonate uh, with you. Rick was no different, you know, his, his voice was so familiar to so many people who, who a lot of people just subscribe to Dirt Vision. He's the voice that they hear the most of the time, you know. You know, one of the jokes that I remember, that I remember a lot, you know, when you're at Speed Weeks and, and at Volusia and you're there for four or five nights in a row, six nights in a row, we tend to hear the same jokes over and over. And, like, the third time you hear it, you're like, you do a kind of a head turn up. Wait, I just heard that night before last or whatever. But he treats he treated every new fan that came through the door special. He treated he loved it so much that he treated uh, every group that he was announcing for on that particular night like they were a fresh new group, and he, he didn't hold back with them just because he had told the same joke the night before. There might have been 200 people in that stands that were not there the night before that didn't hear it. So one of the things that I remember, one of the jokes I remember, I always kind of just, I chuckled, you know, all, he always said that he, he raced one time, you know, and he drove a car, you know, and he finished, um, he finished eighth in a seven car race. And uh, I don't know why that always made me chuckle, but he said he finished eighth in a seven car race and I guess decided that, you know, he shouldn't be racing. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and, and, and I, he did grow up up there on those, those asphalt tracks in Michigan. Uh, that's, you know, I'm familiar with that story and, and, um, and I don't, I don't know those, the, you know, Bobby Pierce said that Rick is the one who nicknamed him the smooth operator. That's what Bobby Pierce says. And I mean, it's one of the most familiar nicknames of a driver in our sport out there. So, so for many, for as many nicknames that you you're like you kind of you're like wait what did he just call him and kind of laughed and then uh and then but there are others that you're like wait you know that's his nickname that's what he i'm not sure if he i'm not he might be the the announcer that uh that first called devin moran the mailman uh i think and uh of course there's a backstory right on to De- there's a there's a there's a backstory to devin moran's mailman that's deal. a federal offense we yeah. better not say it <laughs> yeah there's a backstory to to moran's uh mailman deal if you don't know it you're like why is he called the mailman that doesn't make sense but if but rick knows all the backstories so you know he knew all the backstories of all the drivers and so if if you know the backstory then it does actually make a little more sense and uh makes good sense and so uh uh so yeah it's uh I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I feel bad for the person who's going to have to show up out there and replace him. Uh, now, I don't know. My advice would be to not put someone permanent in that seat at the moment, uh, just because I think it. I just think it's too soon. Uh, think about <laughs> uh, what a comparison I'm about to make. Think about losing an iconic figure like Alex Trebek on, on um, Jeopardy. How do you replace that? How do you replace that voice of Alex Trebek? You know, you can sit in your chair and close your eyes and 
listen to Alex Trebek and you know it's him asking those questions. You know it's him and his his tone. You know it's him the way you know his cadence, and uh, and that's uh, that was Rick. You know you could close your eyes and not watch, and you know it's Rick listening to it in the with the tone and his cadence and uh, the the little sayings he has. He always said like I know that Gordy uh, on your uh, video that you shot, Eric Gordy mentioned one of his sayings about the uh, busier, busier than four cats in a, a square foot litter box. And, uh, you know, that's just one of his, uh, that's one of his sayings, you know, and he had those little sayings. And when he'd say them, you just kind of like, you just kind of chuckle most of the time you just chuckled and it's kind of, it was, it was just Rick and, uh, everybody said everything is, is exactly right. He loved what he did. Loved the sport. I, I first, not first, but I, I knew him from the world of outlaws, of course, but then I show up for a Ray Cook race down at, um, uh, Swainsboro maybe. And, uh, there's Rick. I'm like, what in the hell are you doing here? You know? And apparently he's, uh, uh, I think it's Swainsboro. Right. Uh, uh, and so I'm like, what are you doing here? And he was just there. I guess he had uh, used to be the announcer at the track, maybe, you know, for, for a while he was, he was the track announcer. So he was just there, you know, on the call, you know, and uh, and so if he wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing for his day job, he was out moonlighting. He was out chasing racetracks. He was out chasing other races, and that's uh, you know that was just Rick Eshelman. That's what he did. Yeah, his voice like how that was. You played it perfectly. Just close your eyes. Don't even have to like watch the broadcast. You can just hear it, and you just know it's Rick Eshelman. Iconic races, the World One Hundred. Cool nicknames, uh, Baba Dabba Doo, uh, the Shepherd Pierce incident there in 2019, the Prairie Dirt. He had some good ones. Kovac, what do you got? You got something to follow up there? I was going to go to McFadden, but you knew him the most, so well, I'm going to get with you a lot here. Well, well, Robert just was mentioned like how hard it is for someone else to, to to follow him, and you know maybe don't put someone in and you know immediately as a as a as the replacement. You know, I'm, I'm it just hit me kind of when he said that. Like, man, it might be. Maybe like for the last few races of the year, maybe they bring in some of Rick's friends, announcing friends, you know, and have them like do like a, um, you know, it's almost like the tribute, you know, like, I mean, we're, we're going to like, they'll announce the race in, in his honor for each of the last few races, especially maybe at the world finals um, before uh, having a regular guy come in next year. Because I mean, I know he had a good effect on, uh, uh, on, on so many announcers. I mean, like a James Essex, you know, uh, you know, he was so friendly with him and, you know, as the two big announcers of, of national tours and, and maybe it, maybe it would be sort of a, you know, a neat remembrance of him to have some of his friends. I'm just thinking, I mean, I hope kind of the, the, the music world. I remember, you know, like earlier this year, the Foo Fighters, I like the Foo Fighters and their, and their drummer, Taylor Hawkins died back in, uh, in March and the Foo Fighters shut off, you know, they didn't do any more touring. And they just came back with a couple concerts, you know, like on a, a memorial concerts to to uh, Taylor Hawkins, who was really, I mean, for, as a as a drummer, he was really a you know a, a, a very flamboyant guy and, and you know a lot of charisma and, and a lot. And they had Foo Fighters for their first time playing. They had different drummers that were really good friends from different groups that were Taylor Hawkins. They he they played 
you know, the drums with them. You know, maybe that would be a, a interesting thing to to do for just to you know remember uh, Rick and and also I mean I'm sure that especially maybe at the World Finals or even maybe these next couple races, you know, you got to do the four wide with the recording of, of Rick, you know, for everybody, you know, like let's get a four wide recording and, and play that. And, and that'll be a, a good memory of him also to, you know, when the, those cars are going around, we'll listen to Rick again, you know, at least just for the, at least for the four wide. That would be badass. That'd be awesome. I would love to have the four wide at Charlotte. They, uh, yeah, just even that racetrack, you just think of Rick cause he's been there for so dang long and had some uh, good calls there. Kyle, uh, the one thing that a lot of people said to me was just how much he treated every single driver the same, like whether it was like Brandon Shepard, Jonathan Davenport's of the world, or like Chuck Hummer. Um, he just treated them the same, announced them the same. Uh, other things he liked to do off of racing was going and seeing the racetracks, and he would tweet about it, and he would you know get some cool details about the racetrack, when it opened, when it closed. He loved dogs. He had those movies trivia. He was more than racing. He had some uh, cool uh, – cool hobbies i just think that racetrack thing obviously it is racing i guess but he's not calling a race he's kind of giving us the history of it and i think a lot of people were attracted to that yeah no totally i would um you know i i would be going through twitter you know some days and nights and would find his movie trivia or his movie polls or he would make like a march madness thing with like brackets and stuff i guess when in in polls with like you know which movie would you consider like over the other or a favorite moment in like racing or, you know, he was always thinking of how to engage with the people, how to engage with the fans, you know, that was his personality. And, um, and obviously too, you know, just the knowledge and, and just all these places that he would like visit, um, all these lost racetracks, old racetracks, abandoned racetracks, defunct racetracks, um, you know, those were always fascinating for a guy like myself who is always feeling, you know, behind in the history just because you come in late and you just try to understand more and and more and more. And you look up to a guy like him and, uh, you know, now, you know, I wish, obviously, you know, after somebody's gone, you feel like you. You know, I wish personally, you know, I had talked with the guy more. I wish I had initiated more conversations at the at the races I was at with him this year. And so it just um, just gives you it just brings life, I guess, back into perspective. It, it as cruel as it is. And um, it, but it, it also too, you know, there is a life to be celebrated here with you know rick eshelman and just the life that he lived i mean it was uh yeah he was uh life of the party so to speak and you know and and just um it always fascinated me <laughs> it was interesting you know his twitter i mean he followed like seven thousand people on twitter i'm like who has the capacity to follow seven thousand people on twitter apparently rick but uh you know that's just i he just uh had his hands and everything, I guess, just like anything that uh, he deemed fascinating. And, and so you, uh, it's just, uh, you know, I honestly wish I, I had more things to say. I wish I had more experiences, more stories, more interactions. You, it, you know, kind of makes me sad 
that I don't, you know, and uh, kind of share the, um, I mean, I obviously have a, a deep appreciation, you know, for the guy, but in terms of nostalgia and stories and stuff, you know, it uh, it's just been really humbling, I guess, to listen to all the stories and really who he was like Derek like I had no idea he had a deep admiration for food um so I guess looking back at that one moment I could share with him uh at the Fairbury Summer Nationals race you know I guess it means all the more so uh when he gave me that slice of pizza even though it seemed meaningless then you know you look back on it now and you just look at it with a whole different set of eyes and so yeah no in terms of who to who's gonna step in and replace him i I have no advice i think robert and kevin offered pretty sound advice um i guess really you know just try not to compare yourself whoever steps in you know just rick was his own authentic voice right i guess if there's one thing to learn from rick it's authenticity wins people so um and just having fun you know and and just uh always uh always being always wanting to be different and wanting to step out and uh yeah you know it's uh it's just uh can't even fathom life or you know series or just you know like life in general moving forward you know without him but yeah well put there kyle for sure i think a lot of people feel the exact same way um just knowing him through the tv occasional talk with them from people that you know are very close to them I wanted to do like some story times or some good memories uh one of them that comes to me is just uh he would pop in on the summer nationals like or a week or two when um the world of Owls would be off so he'd be a pit steward well you know like day five of the summer nationals the hell tour you're sick and tired of hot lap qualifying because you do that every single day you know that's going to last about 90 minutes well He'd be the one, you know, cl- collecting this uh, cars, pit stewarding, making sure they're in the right lineup. So I, every day in qualifying when he's around, I knew he would have a golf cart. He needed a golf cart no matter what. So I would just ride around with him. He'd be, you know, yelling at people to, hey, you got five minutes to get up there. They would yell something back to him, like, you know, joking around or saying, all right, we'll be up there. And then he would, like, give him a good sign and go like this, thumbs up. And we just get to talking about different things. So. Uh, just spending those like hour and a half, 90 minutes throughout the night, just kind of wasting time during hot lap qualifying is uh, something that was uh, very special to me. And he always had some good stories. Uh, we would definitely talk uh, about things other than racing. So uh, definitely cherish those. Another one that comes to mind is uh, I think like 2015 or 16 when he was an announcer, he like he lost a whole bunch of weight. And he One of his key things was was not eating after 7 p.m. Well, you know, after races and stuff, like me, Jonathan Clay, and Eric Grigsby, all the dirt car crew would go to like a Waffle House or like a Steak and Shake, a Huddle House before we went to the hotel. I tell you what, this guy had some, you know, some strong willpower because during that summer, he would not eat anything. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, Rick. This is like seven hours after you ate. How are you not eating anything? And, you know, you could just tell he was just licking his chops, wanted to eat something so bad, but his mind and, uh, you know, his heart says, I can't do this. I'm trying to lose weight and stuff like that. So I give him kudos. The summer of 15 and 16, he didn't uh, lost a whole bunch of weight and didn't eat late night. Kovac, that's pretty. That's good dedication for a guy, you know, <laughs> like is always thinking, hey, who 
who's hot dogs at? Oh, I'm going to go to this cookout because he always made his way to his rounds for food. So I'm going to give him a shout out. That was pretty good by uh, Rick Esselman to hold back his, uh, you know, his uh, fortitude for meeting some stuff. Yeah, he liked his food. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, yeah, if he was able to hold back, that, that's pretty good. I have another thing, too. I mean, you're talking about all his uh, his posts on Twitter and, you know, about the movies and his uh, old racetracks he goes to and, and all the – I mean, he also did the uh, the World of Out Paws and Claws. You know, he puts people's uh, fans uh, – pictures of people's fans and – uh, of their dogs and cats up there and even some other animals sometimes, I guess. I don't know. But, um, but you remember, this is a guy. He was not uh, a technological. He was not big on technology. This uh, smartphone and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, he was Twitterless Rick for a long, just until a few years ago. Uh, and to see him like actually in it, with a flip phone. I mean, he had a flip phone. I mean, he might even still have the flip phone and used it. I'm not sure. But uh but he he never was into all that technology there, and all of a sudden here he is on Twitter. He jumped into it and started doing some different things on Twitter. I mean, I, I know Rick was always you know from traveling with him with the Outlaws uh, those six years. He was uh, it, it was sort of smartphones were just coming in. Obviously, the iPhone was just coming in from like late two thousands and two thousand early two thousand tens. But uh, so he always had his flip phone, but. He would not even use a GPS. I remember Tim Crisman, the series director at the time, you know, Crisman had, had, had two, you know, because he bought one one time, an extra one or something. And he's like, here, because Rick always drove the truck. He drove the hauler for the outlaws at that time. Matilda. Uh, Matilda, it was called. Yeah, not the greatest hauler back then. But, uh, you know, him and his, and his girlfriend then, uh, Sandy, who's passed away since then, um, they would go on the road together. And. He would never use that GPS. He called it a giant piece of shit. That's what that's what he called. That's GPS stood for giant piece of shit. That's what he always would say. I'm not using that thing. I don't want to. Use. So he had his atlas. He had that old atlas. You know, he had the Rand McNally atlas and would mark out his his routes. You know, that he was going to get to the uh, each race. And sometimes uh, I know that he did have a couple problems getting to some races sometimes, you know, like if you don't have a GPS or your phone telling you where to turn. Uh, I know that one time he went about 150 miles too far north with the hauler before he realized like, whoa, wait a minute here. I'm going the wrong direction. Uh, he didn't get any, uh, didn't get any, anything telling him that he was going wrong. So he had to kind of turn around and come all the way back. And, you know, and then I know that uh, Tim Christman said he, he rode with him one time in the hauler somewhere you know, Rick was going to drop him off at an airport or picked him up at the airport or something. And, and I know Tim always said like, now admit it was, it was, it would be a little uh, entertaining with Rick and his girlfriend, Sandy, then, you know, kind of going back and forth about what the roads were and Sandy telling him, Rick, you got to get off here in 10 minutes in 10 miles. This is your road. You know, this is the exit. He's like, stop yelling at me, Sandy. I know where I'm going. And then next thing you know, Rick goes by the, the exit by 10 miles and then yells at Sandy for not telling them where the exit was. And, <laughs> and Tim said, Sandy was like, I told you where the exit was. So they had some uh, good travel experiences. I, I know. Uh, and he, uh, again, he did finally come to around to Twitter and, and, a, and a smartphone. So uh, he came into the, the 20th, 21st century, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Rick was a, he was a character too. I I remember going to you know like there's a couple times you know we were all one thing I know with Rick we were both uh, he was from Michigan so he was a 
you know, a, a Detroit Lions fan, a Detroit Tigers fan, Red Wings and, you know, Pistons. He liked all the, uh, I guess he wasn't as much in the, in the basketball as the other sports, but he liked, uh, you know, he was a fan of all the, you know, the sports and I'm a Lions and Tigers and, you know, Pistons fan. So we'd always talk about that. And there was times when we would, uh, I, I know at least once after uh, an outlaw race up in Michigan, you know, I, he parked his hauler. I picked him up in the morning and, uh, and we went over to the Tigers game on Sunday afternoon and, and watched the Tigers. I'm pretty sure they won that game too. So, uh, you know, we went to, got caught a game there in, uh, in Detroit on the way through. And so it was, uh, always remember that kind of, those kind of little things we do uh, off the, off the racing circuit too. Yeah. Especially with the outlaws when you're traveling all throughout the country, you can definitely, uh, find some of that personal time with Rick and other people that you work with on off days, rain out, stuff like that. Robert, uh, you got any, before we go go to, go to one more thing, you got any uh, lasting memory or moment with Rick Elsherman that you would like to share? I just, uh, I really didn't spend as much time. I clearly didn't spend, you know, time away from the track uh, with Rick like like Kevin did. But uh, but just this past weekend, actually, you know, one thing that will always stand out to me, um, just this past weekend at Boyd's, I am uh, – I guess the support classes had gone out on the track and I was sitting there looking through YouTube uh, at some old rate. Somebody had posted on, uh, I, I found the link on my Facebook page. Somebody had posted, posted a link to uh, a video of uh, the old Tullahoma, Tennessee speedway as an asphalt track that my stepfather actually ran a couple races on back in the early seventies. And this was a racetrack. It didn't last long. It's right off the city limits there in Tullahoma, Tennessee. And it's still on private property. The, all the asphalt track is still there. Uh, the, the, the track is, you know, they could probably clean it up and go race on it. Uh, you know, it wouldn't take much. But uh, but it's on private property. So anyway, I'm sitting there watching this video, really just trying to see if, Maybe my stepfather's car is out there. It's just, you know, get lucky, you know, and see it. And I didn't even realize that Rick had come into the room because the support classes are on the on the track, and he had walked uh, out of the little uh, announcer's area right there at Boyd's, and he'd come over to where I was, and he was standing behind me watching it uh, as well. And he's like, oh, man, that's that's really cool. Where's that at? And I told him. I told him a little bit about the track and a little bit about its history. And I'd only been there twice when I, once or twice when I was a kid, uh, went there on a Sunday afternoon when I was really little, probably five or six years old. So this has to be like 1975, 1976. And, uh, I'm not sure when it closed, but he's looking at it and he's really intrigued and, and struck up a conversation and we're talking about it. He's like, man, I've got to get to that place. You know, he was really, really in impressed because um, I told him, I'm like, you know, the asphalt track's still there. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's still, it's still all intact, but it's, it's all in a gated property. I haven't seen it since I was little. And he was like, so determined. He's like, oh, I've got to get to that place. You know, you think they'll let me on it? I'm like, I don't know. It's gated. You know, I said, there's a way on it, but I I'm not sure. And he's like, oh man, I, he was really, she was really stoked. I, you know, it kind of took me, but I knew that he went to old abandoned tracks and stuff, but I really didn't think about how stoked and fired up he would be uh, to see that, you know, that track. 
and uh, but but he really was. And and earlier in the day at Boyd's, or maybe it was the next day at Boyd's, I'm sitting there. Uh, I got there early because I checked out of my hotel, and it was rare. It's rare for me to get to a racetrack really early, but I did. I got there about two thirty in the afternoon, so. I find Rick and I'm just, we're just kind of BSing, you know, and, and we start talking about the weather and you start, you talk about a smartphone. Well, he definitely had upgraded because he's looking at weather app, you know, and he is really, was really following uh, hurricane Ian. He was like, this could, you know, cause you know, also he lived down in like Daytona beach shores or whatever it's called, but he lived down in Florida. And so he's, he's updating me. He's like, oh no, you can't follow that weather. You've got to go, got to get this one. And he was kind of telling me the weather app that I need to get. And, and we basically just had a kind of a long discussion about how us in the media and us and racers and promoters, the week of a race, literally that's all we watch is the weather channel. That's all we watch is weather apps. You know, we were hoping our race gets in and he's telling me, he's like, you know, I don't think this, you know, cause, uh, I think the outlaws are supposed to be at Sonoa and uh was it cherokee i can't remember but uh the, the outlaws are supposed to be like kevin said down south he's like i don't think we're going to get this in uh but you know if he does he was like telling me the path of the storm if it does this we might get it in if it does that we we won't get it in and and he was just really on top of that and uh and he kind of knew that they weren't going to get that race in but but man he was all on top of tracking uh hurricane ian we talked about uh in fact uh at that time i don't know me and uh rick were standing there and jesse Lowe, a, a racer from crossville tennessee had come up to register and so we're all standing there kind of talking and um uh, you know that to me of all the interactions i had with rick i had probably as many on the summer nationals as anything because you cover summer nationals for like five six seven nights in a row and during that stretch is when he was out there as a pit steward. It was really cool to see Rick uh, uh, doing something other than announcing. Uh, you you kind of got him out of the booth and kind of got more of that, even more of his personality, even more of uh, of the Rick, the person, not Rick, the announcer. So that was always neat when you're out on the Dirt Car Summer Nationals and you get him riding around in that golf cart uh, and you see him doing something else for sure. You know, the late September race at Boyd's will always stick out to me because when something like this happens, you're like, oh, shit, man, I just I just talked to him. You know, I just people want to personalize it. People want to put it. People want to somehow find a connection. Uh, people want to somehow make it make it their own, I guess. And for me, it was just that last weekend at Boyd's. You know, you think, man, I just saw him five days ago. What the hell? What 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 went wrong? What went wrong in the five days uh, that I just saw him? You know, because he was planning on going to those World Outlaws races, and and it's just uh, again, I'm I was taken aback uh, when you when you something like that happens and you realize that that moment that you saw him just five days ago was was the last moment that you're going to get to spend with a person the last time you're going to get to talk to a person um it's a weird it's just a weird feeling yeah it is always check on your loved ones your friends uh you know make sure you you know ask them if they're doing all right and stuff like that definitely uh 
way to well put there, Robert. You just never know when something crazy like that's going to happen. So always be alert. Always reach out. And if you're feeling just like Rick was, maybe just reach out to your friends and family and check in on them and, you know, tell them how you're feeling and stuff. You uh, never want to never want to wait too long for stuff like that. Well, um, good stuff on Rick, guys. Great memories and stories. It definitely uh, will be guy will miss announcing, talking at the racetrack, seeing his tweets. And uh, as always, guys, we uh, finish the show with one more thing. Kyle, I'll let you go first. Batting leadoff. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess my one more thing would be I saw a post on Twitter um, from somebody who doesn't even work in dirt late model racing, I think, just kind of summarize or just, you know, kind of uh, encapsulate to kind of basically what you just said, Derek, you know, just check in on, on those who are on the road and those who, uh, you know, just check in on, on those who are, you know, close to you in your life, you know, people in passing, just in general, those who are on your heart. And I guess specifically before, you know, if you're a race fan, consider yourself a race goer, somebody who is actively engaged in the sport, I guess before you send a, a mean tweet or a very, you know, critical comment on Facebook, lambasting somebody who lives a public life in the sport, somebody who pours their heart and soul in, into the sport. I'm not saying that anybody, you know, was uh, sending things to Rick, but like what I'm saying is just be mindful of that there's a person behind the sunglasses or behind the smile that, you know, there's a life there too that people, you, you just have no idea what people are dealing with on a daily basis. So yeah, just be cognizant of, uh, you know, how you're coming across to people and just, you know, really just your overall appreciation for people too, I think. So that'll be my, uh, one more thing. Yep. No doubt about that. Just always think about people and, you know, have a good heart. We're all in this together. Kovac, what do you got? I'll just go off of what, uh, some news that broke, uh, that was released right before we were, went to record our, uh, our podcast. It's about the um, Max Blair and the Viper Motorsports team and Sean Martin, the owner there, they announced that they're splitting up at the end of the year. They're going to uh, maybe uh, Martin will still maybe continue in some sort of way of, uh, of sponsoring um, <clears throat> uh, Max, but they're not going to be a team anymore, which uh, they were a team for about, you know, a year and a half now, and they had some success. And this is the first year that Max has been on the role of outlaws tour kind of took him out of his, uh, you know, regional local area and, and, and made him put him on a map here now too. He's shown that he could uh, compete uh, with the world of outlaws on, in national events. And, uh, and he's going to, um, you know, be looking for a ride, I guess, uh, or going back to family too. We have to see how he's going to do or see who's going to be in the, if Viper Motorsports will continue and, and see who'll be in that car next year. But it's, it's a third time we've seen a team uh, on a national, on the world of outlaws, you know, uh, or, well, I guess no, I'm still thinking Brandon Shepard wasn't World of Outlaws anymore. He's Lucas Oil. But, you know, Luke, Brandon Shepard leaving Rocket Chassis House Guard team, Tanner English leaving the Riggs Motorsports team, and now uh, Max Blair leaving the uh, the Viper Motorsports team at the end of the year. Three, that's pretty, uh, that's unusual, I think, for the end of the year that there are all these teams saying at the end of the year we're going to be done. So it's kind of a little, uh, a new, a new uh, angle here, I guess, that we're uh, looking at uh, this season. 
Yeah, since joining the team in April of 2021, Blair and company with that race team had 25 races for Sean and Lisa Martin-owned team, uh, including a $25,000 victory at the Keystone Cup at Bedford, a couple woo victories as well. So kind of shocking news. Yeah, all these guys that are in the top three in points getting a little shakeup for 2023. So we'll have to see how these drivers and race teams, what they're going to do, replace, find different sponsors, do their own thing. So we'll have to wait and see. Silly season is definitely in high gear. My one more thing is this weekend is your final time to go watch a race at America's Dirt Track for the Falls Frenzy. Um, the Outlaws are off that weekend, so expect some woo guys like I'm sure Tanner English, Dennis Herb Jr., and maybe a few others will be in the house for that. Uh, $15,000 went on Saturday. I will be live at Flow Racing, but this is the last chance for my home track to get in the race of the year contention. So maybe in uh, early October, they can get a big time race and a couple slide jobs on a classic finish that we're used to seeing at Fairbury Speedway. So be sure to check it out. The Falls Frenzy, Friday, $5,000 win. Saturday, $15,000 on the line. Be sure to check it out. If not, you can check it out at Flow Racing. Robert, finish this off strong, buddy. What do you got for us? You know, I really think it's possible for um, Thursday night's race in uh, Brasstown, North Carolina, to to maybe uh, to maybe be one of those races of the year. You know, uh, candidates. It's, it's very possible the uh, Castrol Flow Racing Night in America will be there. Twenty thousand, twenty-two dollars to win. It will be the uh, richest race in um history there at the the ray cook promoted racetrack uh the parking is limited so get there early get there and get you a seat early uh if you're unable to attend this race we will of course be streaming it live uh this is a gem of a racetrack this racetrack i'm going to just go i'm going to be brutally honest this racetrack used to suck uh, I went there 20-something years ago and had a wall around the inside of it. Uh, it was a one-lane, rubbered-up track, and you couldn't pass on it after about lap 12. You got out of the bottom, you were, you were toast. But, man, Ray Cook has done wonders with this track in the last, you know, however long he's had it, five, ten years. And it is uh, it is a dandy of a racetrack when it's right. And I, I really feel like, and you'll probably, I think you'll get to see Jonathan Davenport return to the track where he, you know, cut his teeth on and driving to Pintos, driving to four cylinders back in the day when he was a teenager, just a, a young buck starting out. So this race has all the makings potentially of uh, of a race, race of the year candidate because of uh, the drivers who will be there. Usually when a race races only, you know, doesn't draw a, a ton of cars, 25, 26, just because I think it's difficult to get there. Although, let me tell you, it's one of the most scenic drives that you'll ever make getting to a racetrack, especially if you come in from the west, uh, from the west towards the Chattanooga, Cleveland area in Tennessee and go across that way because you have to go across the Ocoee River. Uh, you go not across the river, but through the Ocoee River Gorge. So take your time getting there if you go because this is uh this is where they had the Olympics uh the Olympic uh, rafting or whatever can canoeing or kayaking or whatever it was back in the day when the Olympics were in Atlanta so it, it's a it's a slow drive but it is one of the most scenic that you will ever take 
So go across there in the daylight so you can see that. Get there early so you can get parking, get a seat, and expect to see some of the best in the business a race for $20,000 plus at, uh, at, at one of the South's gems. It's, it's hidden. It is a hidden gem for sure. It's a dandy. Uh, Ray Cook's done a great, great work with that racetrack. So that's, that's how I'm wrapping up, Derek. So Robert's favorite hidden gem is Tri-County. Kovacs is Fayette County in Illinois. So both have county in their name. It's great to great to see. Yeah, Flow Night in America tomorrow night at Tri-County Raceway, which, by the way, was the first race we did back, first late model race after COVID. And uh, Michael Chilton took the, took the back row challenge, got a little money there, and we saw Shane Clayton win there on April 30th of 2020, a thing that uh, kind of you just exploded you know, streaming races. So uh, very cool to go back to Ray Cook's track. It uh, falls of the South, as Jonathan Davenport told me and Michael Rigsby back in the day. So very excited to get that one. And uh, hopefully we see some slide jobs and great racing. Well, guys, it's been a very tough weekend for everybody in the late model world. And, you know, the passing of Rick Esselman, I was glad to hear some of your stories and just what he meant for the sport um people listening at home right now be sure to check out some racing at flow racing this weekend we're live um got some lucas oil falls frenzy flow night in america as well be sure to check out these stories at dirtondirt.com. these guys have been working their butt off i'm sure we'll continue to have some rick eshelman stories and uh, other stuff in between it uh, this is the dirt reporters thank you for listening until next week